Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I, I need a prayer request. It is, I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions uh, about the Bible, anything that has come up maybe in your reading, and um, you would have questions about it. I'd love to help answer those questions for you. And if you have anything going on in your life that you'd like prayer for, you'd like pastoral advice for, that's what we are here for on the show. That's the vision of this program, to give you an opportunity where you can call in with those kinds of questions and speak to somebody on the air. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, that text line, 720-336-0897. Nine, seven. Welcome to those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. You're hearing this show live, and we also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. We also want to welcome those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. We're so glad to have you all with us. Just a reminder that those of you listening on Hope FM and on Truth FM out on the East Coast, you are hearing this show on a one-week delay. But we would love to hear from you nonetheless, and we would love for you to call in uh, and ask whatever questions you have. And just keep in mind, though, that you're hearing the show on a one-week delay. And uh, But that also gives you the opportunity that you can tune in a week later and, and uh, listen to yourself, tell your friends to tune in. So that's that's cool. We also want to welcome those of you who are listening online. We know there are so many, kind of a growing audience that we have right now of people who are listening online via the mobile app and the website. So if you are tuning in today on your phone or tablet or over your laptop, we are glad that you are tuning in today. Just a reminder that if you haven't yet taken advantage of that opportunity, go ahead and go download our free mobile app, Grace FM. Just type it into the search bar on your um, mobile device in the App Store, whichever one you use, and it should come right up. It's free, and you can download that, and you can listen to this show and all the other great programs here on Grace FM uh, on that app anytime live. So we want to welcome you, and just a reminder that, too, if you're at work and you are at a computer, you can always go to gracefm.com in your browser, and you can listen live right there as well. So however you've tuned in today, welcome to the program. We're glad you're with us. Love to hear from you. Uh, here at the beginning of the show is always a great time for those of you who've wanted to get on the air. Maybe you've had a question in the past and you've been waiting for an opportunity to call in. We'd love to hear from you. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. Again, 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line, 720 My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm your host here on Calvary Live every Monday. Now, today is not Monday. Today's Thursday. And I am with you today 
um, filling in for Pastor Ed Taylor, who is away. So, uh, Pastor Ed, we pray that God is blessing you, and um, we're glad that uh, we get to have this show even in your absence. Uh, like I said, I host every Monday and enjoy taking your calls and answering your Bible questions, praying for your prayer needs. Uh, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, which I mentioned. Uh, our church meets in downtown Longmont, just one block west of Main Street on Long's Peak Avenue. For those of you who are familiar with Longmont, we're right downtown. We're right on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park here in Longmont. It's a place from which all of the parades and all of the city events kind of take off and begins. It's a very central location, and uh, we love being part of the heart of the city of Longmont. Um, but it also gives us a great location for those who are coming in from surrounding communities. So if there's any of you listening and you or someone you know lives in Lyons or Berthoud, Mead, uh, Frederick, Firestone, Decono, into Erie, Lafayette, or into, even into North Boulder and uh, Lyons, we would love to have you come and be part of what God is doing at Whitefields. I got uh, rebuked the other day for not mentioning Niwot. So any of you people out there from Niwot, we're so glad that you are uh, tuning in and we'd love to have you come be part of it. If you're looking for a church, we're just up the street in Longmont and we'd love to have you. Our church meets at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which again, like I said, we're one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue and we're at the intersection of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. So Longs Peak and Kaufman. If you know where the downtown park and ride is here in Longmont, we're a building just to the south of the park and ride. And uh, we would love to have you come and worship with us if you need directions or if you'd like to listen to some of our messages online. You can find all that good information on our website, which is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can hear me on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. We have a show called Life in the Field, which is all about how we're called to live our lives on God's mission in his mission field, which is the whole world for which he gave his son, the whole world which he loves. So we're on every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And we'd love to have you tune in and listen to those messages. If for some reason you're not able to make it to church on Sunday morning, then tune into Grace FM and you can hear our services there at 10 a.m. Let's go to our first caller, Katie, in Colorado. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, my question is um, about Revelation 21, um, and I think it might be in other places in the Bible, but I'm not sure what verses. But um, it says, a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah. Now, if we're going to be re living in heaven, why would we need a new earth? Yeah, so what this is speaking of is the fact that... Um, when we talk about heaven, we're not talking about an ethereal place. If you are tracking with what I mean by that, it's not a uh, ethereal place. It's a very tangible place, which means that, um, you know, if you track the Bible, here's one of the things that I love about the Bible is that it, it is not just a bunch of random stories that give us some different insights into God. Rather, the Bible is one grand story. You know, if you think about it, the, really the Bible um isn't primarily a history book because when it covers history, sometimes it leaves out a lot of stuff, right? So mm -hmm. what is the Bible focused on? It is laser focused on telling one unique story. And that is the story of what you might call the creation, the fall, then the redemption and the restoration. So that could be the timeline of the Bible. So think about the Bible as one story that has these four key points in it. 
This is a kind of an outline for the whole Bible. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Now that last word, restoration, is really important because what it means is that God's work isn't completed with the redemption that we have in Jesus. That's certainly the climax, but it's not the completion of the story. The completion of the story happens when, essentially, you could think about it this way, uh, a lot of our stories in the in Western society are very linear, right? So they start at one place and they move through a timeline and you end up at a different place than where you started. But in Eastern thinking, uh, stories tend to be a lot more circular, which means you start at one place, you go on a journey, and you end back up at that same place. Now, everything's different when you end up back there, and yet you're still in the same place. You could think of like Frodo Baggins in the... Um, the Lord of the Rings, right? So he leaves the Shire, goes on this journey. He returns to the Shire. He's not the same person, nor is the Shire the same place, nor is the world the same place. And so here's how the Bible begins. It begins with creation, and then it ends with a new creation. It begins with Eden, where human beings live in harmony with each other and with nature and with God. And it ends in a restored and fulfilled Eden. And here's what's interesting, and one of the reasons why I know that I'm not just making this up is because in Eden, uh, there is this tree called the Tree of Life. And it says that anyone mm -hmm. eats from the Tree of Life lives forever. You, you might remember that from Genesis. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then we see that tree again at the end of Revelation in the New Jerusalem. And so okay. also through the Bible, so, so at the end of Revelation, we see the fulfillment of so many of these kind of what you might call narrative threads that have been built through the Bible, right? So um, again, remember that, that we're speaking in terms which are meant to be comprehensible to us, but they're speaking of things which we have never seen and have never experienced, which means that we probably don't even have words to describe the kind of things that we're going to see and experience. And so it's described to us as the restoration of Eden. It's described to us as being reunited with the tree of life. And it says that the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. You know, it says there's a river that flows through there uh, that brings healing. And so I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that I believe the importance of new heaven and new earth is that it speaks of the tangibleness of heaven as opposed to the etherealness. It's not going to be floating around on clouds playing harps. It's going to be more similar to this world um, than not, but it is going to be the world as it was always meant to be, without the curse of sin and death. And not only that, but Eden fulfilled. What Eden would have been had the curse not come into the world. Well, what about the streets of gold? Where are those going to be? <laughs> Again, I, I would say streets of gold. Maybe there will be literal streets of gold. But I think, again, this is using terminology, which we understand. Mm -hmm. And it and you think in terms of revelation and what the purpose of it is. The streets of gold, right? Will there be a, a literal city, a new Jerusalem? I think there will be. Will there be streets of gold? Maybe. But um, I, I also think that really the significance of that phrase, you know, streets of gold, speaks not of the gloriousness of the streets, but the fact that in heaven, uh, gold is going to be like asphalt is to us, right? We don't get excited about asphalt. Like, I don't, I don't go and try and dig up the street so I can have a handful <laughs> of asphalt. And the reason is because asphalt is, is not, um, not precious to me. 
And I think that's kind of the point, that in heaven, what makes heaven heavenly is the presence of God. He is there. He's the light, right? It says the sun will be no more because there will be no need of sun or moon to shine for the glory of God gives it light. Its lamp is the, is the lamb. And by its light, the nations will walk. And, and so there's all these, these words about this. My point is um, gold will be like asphalt. In other words, there's a, there's a flipping of values, a changing of values in which the things that we fight over and kill each other over in this world and divide over, those will be so non-substantial in heaven. We will be in awe of the glory of God to the point where gold is just asphalt. It's something we walk on, and that's all. Hmm, okay. Well, thank you, and God yeah. bless you. Awesome. God bless you, Katie. Thanks for calling in. Bye-bye. You're, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We've got two open lines. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Garrett in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Garrett. Welcome to the program. Hi. How's it going? Going great. What's up? So, so my question, it's been bothering me for a while now. And I guess in order to answer my question, I will go into a little story so you know where I'm coming from. When, when I'm out hanging out with people, non-church-related groups or at work, and I bring up the gospel and stuff like that, I've been getting a lot of condemnation. Um, I've been getting shut out. I've called, been called names. And I just want to know, how do I spread the good news of the gospel to people who otherwise don't want to hear it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's something that we all deal with. And really the key, we want to be, um, I love what you know Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 16. He said, Behold, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. Be um, as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves or harmless or, or you know, however you want to, put that word uh, sometimes put gentle as doves i think that what he's saying there which is so important is that as we go out and witness we want to be i love the word this is a word that a mentor of mine uses he says um, we want to be whimsical in the way that we present the gospel so we don't just want to tell the truth but we want to tell the truth in a way that it is compelling and in a way that it actually grabs people's attention and even if they don't believe it's true they wish it was true they want it to be true now of course we know it's true but we want them in other words i'm speaking of desire we want to stir up their deepest desires and help them see how it, it how in jesus those desires are fulfilled and so i would just encourage you to think in terms of whimsicalness but we never compromise the gospel so don't don't think that that's what I'm saying. I'm definitely not talking about, you know, uh, scratching, itching ears by any means. But what I'm saying is that the gospel does speak to the deepest desires and needs that all of us have. And helping people see that and helping people see Jesus as incredibly desirable is uh, the hard work of evangelism. You know, it, it's uh, pretty easy in a way to to you know, write something on a cardboard sign and stand on a street corner. That doesn't take um, you know, much effort at all. 
but it does take uh, work and effort, and it takes you know being in sync with the spirit to to do the whimsical work of evangelism, if that um, if that makes any sense. I would say, look, pray for those people, and you know there is a sense in which Jesus said, hey, look, if you go into a town and they don't receive what you have to say, uh, shake the dust off of your feet and move on to the next town, because uh, you can think about it in this way: eight billion people in this world, and um, you know, you you want to talk to those who are especially interested, you know, rather than casting pearls before swine. And but of course, you need the leading of the spirit. You know, is this a person who you need to continually be persistent with, or is this a time where you say, "Okay, I, I've shared this information, this good news with you, and now I'm going to move on to the the person who actually shows interest." Okay. Yeah, so I, I ha- come across what? a lot of those people because I'm in the, the industrial field. Yeah. And that's really all that's out there is people who, I mean, that don't believe. And there are a lot of them, and it seems like every day that I'm the only one out here. <laughs> yeah. And it gets tough after a while when you keep saying Jesus' name and you keep getting thrown to the ground for it. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. I would encourage you, there's probably more out there than you realize. You know, one of my jobs when I was um, just fresh out of high school before I moved to Hungary, which is a whole different story, but I um, I worked in a warehouse, and every day I would go to work and um, and I would pray, God, give me the opportunity to talk about you at least once today with one of my coworkers. And without fail, there was an opportunity, and I think there's there's a couple factors going on there. One of those was that because I prayed, I was then for the rest of the day waiting to see how like there was a sense of expectation. How is God going to fulfill my prayer? What door is He going to open up? Because when He opened it up, I was ready to walk through it. But I was also kind of waiting for the right opportunities, you know. Um, opportunities where people would say, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Or opportunities like, um, you know, they'd talk about some relevant news story or something, and there would be a way for me to whimsically uh, bring, or I'm sorry, winsomely. Yes, my producer here. Thank you, producer. Not whimsically, winsomely. Uh, uh, winsomely bring the gospel into that conversation. So, um, okay. you know, I think that's a great way to do it. The other one is this. Because my prayer was, Lord, give me an opportunity to talk about you. I didn't judge success based on whether or not they were receptive to it. You know what I mean? And, you know, there's a sense in which Paul says this, that he got to experience the fellowship of suffering. And, um, you know what? There is a special relationship that you get to experience with the Lord, a special connection with the Lord when you uh, do get reviled. Remember what Jesus said, blessed are you when others revile you in my name. So if you're doing the right things and people are reviling you, um, consider yourself blessed. You get to take part in the fellowship of suffering. But also remember that your commission um, is to go out and preach the gospel to all people. And how they receive it, that's up to God and the Holy Spirit. That's not on you. Um, you know, you want to do it winsomely, um, but uh, ultimately the, the, what's the, resp- 
What's the word I'm looking for? The results are not up to you. And that's really kind of freeing because all it tells you is your job is to get out there and be a witness. And it's God's job to, to work on hearts and change them. And one last thing I'll say is that, you know, statistically, and I, I mean, I don't know the details on this, but this is what they say. I remember Billy Graham always used to talk about this, that um, a person generally has to hear the gospel multiple times. I think the number they always used was seven. But they say multiple times before um, they start to really consider it. So, you know, you may be just plowing the ground, but God's going to do some work and just hold on to those promises that his word, when it goes out, it doesn't come back void. Awesome, man. That was beautiful. Well, let me pray for you, Garrett. Okay. Heavenly Father, I, I lift up Garrett to you, and I thank you that he's desiring to be a witness for you in his workplace. Lord, I pray that you would give him wisdom with how to do it, to do that work of an evangelist like you talked about to Timothy or Paul talked about to Timothy, that he would do the work of an evangelist in presenting the message winsomely but without compromise. And Lord, help him to um, see his role not as converting people but as witnessing the people. And it's your job to work on hearts. Lord, encourage him, I ask, and give him the right words to speak. And I pray that you would give him favor in the eyes of his workmates. And I pray that there might be somebody that he talks to who says, you know what, I was always hoping that I would run into another Christian at work because I've been kind of hiding my faith. And by meeting Garrett, they're going to be encouraged. So, Lord, I pray you'd use him in his workplace and help him to walk in step with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Garrett. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Let's go to our next caller. Well, first let me give you the numbers to call in. We've got two open lines. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Aaron in Commerce City, Colorado. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What's up? Um, so I work for a very LGBTQ-friendly organization. Um, and our administrative director is actually a married gay man. Um, and in, in honor of Pride Month, they're having a uh, to celebrate diversity and gay pride. They are having allowing all of us to wear jeans on Friday. We don't have casual Fridays, so Jeans Day is kind of like a big thing. Um, to show support of that, and I'm kind of feeling a little conflicted because on the one hand, I'm like, okay, if I wear jeans, does that mean that I support that when I don't? And if I don't wear jeans, I could be seen as being intolerant or, quote, homophobic. Right. So I'm not really sure, like, what to do. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. It's a, it's a lot of pressure, right? So it's the pressure of if you don't right. participate in this optional activity then you're going to be judged as a hater when, of course, you know, I'm I'm guessing, Aaron, that you're not a hater. You just disagree no, with... Um, no, I'm, I'm I actually have a lot of friends in that. My mom actually was gay for a very long time and just recently came to Jesus and repented of all of that. So, I mean, I, I don't hate them. I have a lot of friends that are like that. It's just I don't support that lifestyle and I don't want to show that I support that. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I've I've recently read a lot on uh, a lot of people commenting in that way and saying really good things, you know, that I, I know one great quote says this. It says, you know, one of the great lies that people believe is that if you um, disagree with someone or you don't affirm what they're doing, 
that you must um, hate them or you fear them. And that, right. that's not true. I mean, you can disagree with people. I think the best example of this, and, and you know, I'm just hoping maybe by having this discussion right now, you know, give you something to talk about with your coworkers. But, you know, I'm a parent, and I know that there are things that my kids do that I don't approve of, I don't affirm, I don't agree with, but I still right. love them with my whole heart. And nothing, nothing stops that. But just because I love them doesn't mean I have to affirm everything they do or say. So, um, Aaron, my advice, personally, here's what I would do. I would say, I think you can kind of go either way. I think on one hand, somebody could say, hey, Aaron, do you like wearing jeans? Then just wear jeans and don't cause a stir. On the other hand, if, right. if you have a conscience issue with this, you know, I, Paul talks about this in Romans 14. He says, look, if something is a sin to you, in other words, it's going against your conscience, then it is indeed a sin and you shouldn't yeah. do it, right? So there can be these issues like eating meat sacrificed to idols was an issue back then. Um, for other people, it's other things today. I know there are people who say, hey, um, you know, I realize that drinking alcohol in moderation might be fine for some people, but for me, I just have a conviction that I shouldn't do it. And I would tell that person, well, if that's your conviction, then you shouldn't do it. You should keep that conviction unto the Lord. And so, Aaron, right. I would say, as hard as it might be, uh, it sounds like your conscience is telling you not to do it. And I would say, go for it. I would, I would just say, um, don't do the jeans. Wear something else. And if somebody gives you a hard time, uh, you might, you know, pray through how to handle that in a, in a, in a good way where you're not antagonistic, but maybe kind of pointing out to them that, hey, this is a, are you not going to tolerate my choice to, um, to not participate in this event? Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You bet. God bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We are coming up on our mid-show break, but before we do, let's go to our next caller, and we'll see how far we get. Let's go to Francisco in Jefferson County. Hi, Francisco. Welcome to the program. Francisco, looks like we lost you, so let's go to our next caller, Lewis in Fort Collins. Hi, Lewis. Welcome to the, sh welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. Doing well. What's up? Um, so I just had a question that's uh, come up more recently. Um, I've been hearing people say that, you know, historians are starting to say that Jesus didn't even walk the earth, that he was, you know, uh, imagined by the Jewish people, whatever it may be. Um, and it's, it's confusing to me because I, uh, I took an apologetic class in high school, and um, I, I heard that most scholars agree that Jesus was a, a real character, whether you believe he was God or not. Um, so I'm just kind of looking for some good resources uh, to, you know, some, some good historical fact that, hey, Jesus did walk the earth, um, and this is how we know. Yeah. Well, I've got some good resources. Just a heads up, we're going to go to break in about one minute. If you want to hang on through the break, I'll have more for you on this. I'll give you a few things. You know, I just, it's kind of fresh in my mind because I just taught a series. I'm teaching a series right now at my church, uh, which is kind of an apologetic series. It's called, I Could Never Believe in a God Who? And we're answering that question as we go through. And one of the, one of the topics we had a few weeks ago, we said, I could never believe in a God who gave us a faulty Bible. Now, of course, I don't believe the Bible's faulty. I'm just saying that that's something that somebody, somebody might say. Right. But in that uh, sermon, we looked at 
is the Bible historically reliable? And if it's historically reliable, then does it actually give us a true account of Jesus? And what we found by looking through that is um, that the Bible is actually the most historically uh, reliable document from the ancient world. And actually, the, uh, the word we used is it's the most attested document from ancient period, which is absolutely true. There is more, um, there are more manuscripts of the Bible and the manuscripts are closer to the date of writing like by far compared to any other um, any other ancient work and so we got to go to break right now if you hang on through the break I'll pull up my notes and I'll give you those numbers because they're astounding but I've got more for you on this so uh, thanks for the question we'll get right back to you after this break you're listening to Calvary Live we will be back in two minutes time right after our break Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts today on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything that you have going on in your life that you would like advice for or prayer on. We'd love to pray for you, and we'd love to answer those questions if we can. Uh, We've got, I think, one open line right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. So right before the break, we were talking to Lewis in Fort Collins, so we'll go back to Lewis now. Hi, Lewis. Welcome back. And uh, you were asking a question about how do we know that Jesus really existed? Like what resources could we point to? One of the things things I was going to point you to, and um, hey, I'd encourage you to go and listen to this message. We, of course, I I can't, you know, uh, summarize a 45 minute message in just a a minute or two here on the air. But, you know, for those who are interested, go check out our website, whitefieldschurch.com, whitefieldschurch.com. And just go back in the sermon archive and you'll see one called I Could Never Believe in a God Who Gave Us a Faulty Bible. It's from about three weeks ago. And so one of the things we said, you know, is that how can we be sure that the Bible's telling the truth? And the first question is, how can we be sure the Bible hasn't been changed? Like, uh, and I found this incredible. So the truth is we don't have any original copies of any ancient books from antiquity and the reason for that is because of how books were stored how they were made the materials they were made on etc so all we have are manuscripts which are handwritten copies of those books now we have a lot of books from antiquity though right like let me give you some examples we have plato wrote a very book uh, a book called um the Republic. We have Aristotle, who was a student of Plato. We have Tacitus, who was a Roman um, historian who lived uh, after Jesus. And then we have the New Testament. So check this out. Plato was written. um, So the earliest manuscripts we have of Plato's Republic are actually 900 years older than when he wrote it. With Aristotle, the earliest uh, copies we have of Aristotle's writings are 1,400 years later than when he wrote them. With Tacitus, it's a 1,000 years later, our manuscripts. When it comes Holy to the cow. New Testament, our manuscripts, in some cases, are only 
um, 10 to 20 years later. That's okay. incredibly reliable. And um, then here's the other thing. Number of copies. Plato's Republic, we have seven manuscripts. Aristotle's writings, we have 49 manuscripts. Tacitus's writings, we have 20 manuscripts. New Testament manuscripts, 5,686. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's not even close. I mean, it's, it, this is not even a debate. The New Testament is by far the most widely attested ancient document in existence. And you might say, well, how accurate are those manuscripts? The answer is 99.4% identical. The 6% right. are t what we call textual variants, which means that as they were making these copies by hand, maybe they miss a comma, maybe they misspell a word. And what they would do is immediately they would cross it out and put their initials above it, just like you would do if you were writing a check, for example. And then uh, they would also have proofreaders. And so the proofreaders would make those comments. So what, mean, what that means is that no uh, scribes would make the same mistake. And so you can easily read all these manuscripts and you can determine uh, what it was supposed to say. And, and there is unity between those you know, 5,686 documents. Now the question then becomes, how do we know that these things are true? that Jesus actually lived and died. Now, there's a lot of uh, reasons that we can know that. But uh, I'll give you, personally, what I think is the, the number one reason why we can know that Jesus, that this, these things are actually true, what they say about Jesus, is that uh, you look at how the people who said these things, what they got out of it. Did they get rich? Did they get famous? Um, you know, what is, what is the, what, what did they benefit from claiming that this Jesus did these things that they said he did. And right. the fact is they didn't get anything out of it. You know what they got is they got beaten, tortured, they got murdered. All the apostles except for one got murdered. And that one who survived, of course the apostle John, that wasn't for lack of trying, right? Like they tried to kill right. him. They put him on an island and he died in exile. So uh, what did these people get? None of them got rich, none of them got famous, none of them got powerful. They all got killed, persecuted, chased around, and it wasn't just them. It was their children and their wives and their family members. And the point is, why would anyone do that for a lie? Now, there might be someone who's totally crazy who would do that for a lie, but not thousands and thousands of people. And right. so, it, it yeah. makes me think of the uh, liar, lunatic, Lord argument for, for Jesus. Of right. like, yeah, he could be lying about these things and he was pure evil. He could yeah. be just crazy, and people believe these things, or what he said was actually true. Correct, yeah. It, it, here's another thing. How do we know that Jesus actually existed? Um, we have writings about Jesus from people who are not Christians. Like, uh, of course, the most famous being Josephus, um, right. Tacitus, again, uh, living much later than Jesus, but referring to Christians. And he doesn't question whether or not Jesus lived. So, again, Tacitus, nobody ever questions whether Tacitus actually wrote what he did, even though it's much less attested than, um, than that. Sorry, gotcha. the, than the Bible. So, um, you know, there's these outside sources that refer to Jesus. And then, of course, there's the behavior of the Christians. We, we really have no reason to doubt that Jesus ever existed. And so... Um, you know, one last thing I'll say is I was just in Israel uh, this year. It was my first time in Israel. It's, you know, one of these things that I've always wanted to be able to do. Got the opportunity to do it earlier this year. And when I was there, what, that was one of my things I was curious about. I was curious, you know, how do uh, Jewish people 
who don't follow Jesus as their Messiah, how do they think about Jesus? Uh, especially, you know, we got to actually be part of an archaeological dig, and by part of it, I mean we stood there and watched other people digging. So <laughs> it's a, being part of it really is kind of an exaggeration. Um, all that to say, you know, I was curious, how do these people think about Jesus as a historical figure? And I was actually really surprised to see that all the Jewish people I talked to, including this one historian that we got to meet, you know, they didn't even question whether or not Jesus was a real figure. I mean, that's just, you know, it has all the proof of history and archaeology. It's, it's not like a legitimate claim that real historians and archaeologists make. And so, right. um, you know, it's a whole different question to ask whether or not he was the Messiah and who he claimed to be. That's a whole different issue. But did he exist? Uh, it's kind of beyond question. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, thank you so much. I, I appreciate your time on that. Yeah, so for resources, you know, I just, uh, there's a good website. It's called Biblical Archaeology. Um, there's also the History Channel, for what it's worth. Now, I don't agree with everything they say about Jesus, but they have a, um, they have, you know, articles about, you know, what are the proofs that Jesus really did exist. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Well, God bless you. Thanks for calling in. All right. Thank you, Pastor. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts on the air. Let's go to John in Greenville, Tennessee. Hi, John. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hey, uh, I heard you took a trip to Israel a while, but it's beautiful over there. Absolutely. Yeah, I was wondering. I've uh, got up behind the pulpit at my church a few times, and I found out that it's a very, very intimidating place to be. Mm. And uh, is there any advice you can give me when I get that calling? To... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, probably more advice than we have time for right now. Uh, I'm I'm part of a group of pastors called uh, we're part of a group called the Expositors Collective and uh, I would encourage you to check it out go to expositorscollective.com that's expositorscollective.com and we've got resources on there we we do uh you know between 2 and 4 events every year they're kind of training weekends and we do them regionally and so we've we've done now the southeast we've done uh, the mountain states here in Colorado. We've done uh, some in California. We're going to the East Coast later this year, uh, up to Philadelphia. And we do these training weekends. So that might be something for you to check out. You know, that's, that's really what we do during these training weekends is how, how can you uh, become a, a you know, solid preacher? How can you grow in the gifting that God might have given you or the calling? Um, you know, just just really generally and briefly kind of starting from zero, here's some advice I'll give you. Number one, uh, you want to rest in the authority of the scriptures, but when you speak about them, you can speak about them confidently and with authority because it's not your authority. It's God's authority. And so you want to speak with authority, but you don't want to speak uh, condescendingly. So here's a few things I'd say. Speak uh, rest on the um, 
the authority of the scriptures. Understand that they are authoritative, that they're God's words, and that your job is to be a messenger. But number two, also know your audience because the job of preaching is not just to tell the truth, it is to persuade. Your job is not just to tell the truth, but it's also to persuade. And Paul says that much as, as several times in 1 Corinthians, especially in 1 Corinthians 4. He says that is our goal, that we seek to persuade people. And we're trying to move people from uh, doubt and unbelief to faith and belief. We're trying to help them by persuading them of gospel truth and applying it to their lives. Did you have a question there, John? Uh, no, I was just going to... Uh, let's see, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, I well, forgot I've, what I was even going to say. That's fine. I've got more <laughs> while you're thinking. Um, the other thing, yeah, so you, you want to know your audience, and you want to speak to them in a way that is compelling and persuasive. And so your job is not just to repeat what the Bible says, but to bring that message to bear on their yeah. lives in a way that causes them to react and, and have action. Yeah, it wasn't a question. It was basically go where the Spirit leads me as, as well. I think that is a part of it, yeah. But I would say go where the Scriptures are going. In other words, yeah. your job is, as you read a portion of Scripture is to figure out what is this Scripture saying, not what's my opinion about it, but what is this scripture saying? And your job is to convey that message. That's what expository preaching means. That's the term we use. And it means to expose the meaning of the text. Because ultimately what they need is not your opinions. Um, what They don't need stories. What they need is the message That's of the true. text. And you can highlight that with stories. You can highlight that with, with other things. But it needs to be very clear. This is what the Bible is saying. Here's how it applies. Here are some explanations so that to help you better understand it so that you can apply it to your life. And I would say, you know, um, so when you say you're intimidated, I would encourage you to stand in the strength of the Lord and in the, uh, the power of his word, the authority of his word, because it's not on you. Uh, your job is to convey the message but I encourage you to do it as well as you possibly can because this is important work. I always say this, that good preaching comes from two loves. Number one, the love of God and, and appreciation for his word. So the love of God and a love for the people that you're speaking to. I mean, speak to them as if these are the words of life and death because they are, right? The, this is so incredibly important to their lives so incredibly important to their souls. They, they need to hear it. You want to speak with, uh, here's one more tip I'll give you. Never speak with pride. Never speak condescendingly. Um, there's nothing that turns people's ears off more. Uh, speak with humility. A true humility, don't fake it. True humility as saying, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm a, I'm a person seeking God and trying to live out his word by the power of the spirit. And so um, here's what the word of God says. Here's how to apply it and then keep going. Does that help? Yeah, helped a lot. Thank you. Let me pray for you, John. Lord, I pray for John. I thank you that he has the opportunity to speak your word. What a privilege to speak your word to people. Lord, I pray that he would take it um, in all seriousness with the weight uh, that is appropriate for it. Lord, I pray that you'd anoint him when he uses uh when he uses the opportunity to speak 
in your name to your people by your word. Lord, help them to do it faithfully, truthfully, uh, winsomely. And, uh, and Lord, uh, I pray you'd help them to do it well for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, John. Thanks for calling in. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. Hey, before we go to our next caller, I want to take the opportunity to remind you that for those of you listening live, uh, this coming Sunday is Father's Day. And one of the things that I'm convicted about with Father's Day, something I wrote a lot about on my on my blog, it's actually my most uh, viewed blog post ever. For those of you who would be interested in checking that out, you can uh, view my blog. It's at nickkady.org. So that's my name, Nick Katie, N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. So nickkady.org. And you can go there and uh, and I post a couple times a week and just about things about bringing the gospel into our lives in relevant ways uh, for people who are living in the world today. And so I talk sometimes about relevant issues. I talk about books uh, that might be helpful. And so one of the ones I was talking about, this is actually an older post, but it has just been kind of the one that continually gets so much traffic. And I think it's because it, it's really speaking to an important issue, and that is uh, Father's Day. You know, Father's Day uh, shows us something about our culture. And here's what I mean by that. Um, According to Lifeway Research, this is from Lifeway Research, this is from the Promise Keepers, and from Baptist Press, all three of those together, and they all say the same thing, that Mother's Day is the third highest attended Sunday of the year, and Father's Day is the number one lowest attended Sunday of the year. Now, I think that's a travesty, and I think it speaks to where we're at as a culture and where we're at as people uh, here in the United States. So think about this. Number number one uh, most attended Sundays are Easter is number one, then Christmas Eve is number two, and then Mother's Day. And yet the number, the, the least attended services, uh, number one is Father's Day. Number two is uh, Labor Day, then Memorial Day, then the 4th of July. It, but Father's Day is still the worst. And um, it's really interesting to me because what does that tell us about where we're at? Um, well, one of the things it tells us is that mothers want to be present uh, at church on Mother's Day. That's how they want to celebrate Mother's Day. But the uh, here's one quote from Lifeway Research. They say this, the attendance difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day is very telling. Either churches are less effective in affirming fathers or families believe Christian fathers don't value their participation in worship services. Uh, now, of course, there are other factors involved. But again, this is really, what's really striking is when you consider uh, the impact of the, that a father's faith and regular church attendance can have on their families. So here's what Promise Keepers said, that is, if a father does not go to church, even if the wife does, um, there's a 1 in 50 chance the child will become a regular worshiper. So those are really not good chances. So that's if mom goes to church, but dad doesn't. Uh, if da- if uh, the father uh, does go regularly, even if mom doesn't go to church at all, then that number jumps up to two-thirds or three-quarters of their children will become regular church attenders as adults. Uh, and finally, I'll just end with this statistic, uh, statistic, and we'll go back to our calls, but check this out. Um, it said that if a child is the first person in a household to become a Christian, there's a 3.5% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. If mom is the first one to become a Christian, there's a 17% probability everyone in the household will follow. And 
check this out. If the father is the first to become a Christian and he's the one who, you know, leads the family into that, then there's a 93% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. The point of the statistics is this. Dad, your impact on your kids' faith and practice is huge. And I want to encourage you, some of those of you listening, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do this Sunday for Father's Day. May I just lovingly and, uh, and just encourage you, uh, dads, lead the way with your kids this Sunday. Be like, hey, hey, dad, what do you want to do for Father's Day? And instead of, um, you know, sleeping in, brunch, uh, whatever it is that you were planning on doing or thinking about doing, um, I, want you to, I want to encourage you to say, hey, kids, we're going to go to church today um, because I want to prioritize this. I want you to know that this is important to your dad, and I want it to be important to you that you know the Lord and you walk with him. So maybe that's a word for some of you uh, dads out there. I always think about Deuteronomy chapter 6 where uh, you know Moses is speaking to the new generation including many fathers and saying um, you know teach your children diligently these words that I've spoken to you. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk in the way, when you lie down and when you rise. And I just encourage you to do that dads as we're coming up on Father's Day. Let's go to our next caller Craig in Denver, Colorado. Hi Craig, welcome to the program. Hi, Craig. Well, it looks like we um, lost Craig. Let's go to our next caller, Debbie in Maryland. Hi, Debbie. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, Pastor, I have a question about mediums. Okay. Um, I was given a... Someone sent me to a medium because I had a dream, and um, the medium um, said some things that were very positive. They weren't... Uh, I, it wasn't like I was contacting. I, I lost my son. It's going to be three years. And um, I had this dream about a boat being launched, my father being there who's passed away, and my son. My son did, he was raised as a Catholic, and then later on I became Christian, um, but he did not believe um, because of the Catholic religion. He didn't believe anymore. He was an adult. And um, he pretty much made his, you know, decision that he he just thought it was not true. Um, okay. And my father, who was, you know, a Catholic, and he was, you know, faithful to his religion, but um, it showed that the boat was being launched over and over and over again, but there was no boat in the boat slip or the boat, what do they call a trailer? Okay. And I went to a medium, and the medium said to me, what type of person was your son? And I said, well, he was a non-believer. And I said, um, my father was, you know, a Catholic. And she said to me, well, she says, it sounds like to me that your father is with your son trying to teach him about faith. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought, well, that's nice to know. I mean, but you know, where are they? And you know, things like that. I didn't spend a lot of time with her. It wasn't. It was somebody at work that said, "Go to, you know, to this person and and um, so I did." And uh, I felt comfort in it, but I still felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, so a few uh few things that I'll tell you on that. 
First of all, uh, the Bible really condemns the practice. It forbids the practice of uh, mediums and attempting to speak to the dead through seances or anything like that. It's really forbidden. There's actually a story in the Bible in which uh, someone uh, used a medium to speak to the dead, and it was um, definitely you know, forbidden. Um, so on the one hand, um, here's what I would tell you. I would tell you that, yeah, it sounds like what this medium told you is comforting, but I would want you to keep in mind that, that, that that's what mediums generally do, whether or not they're truly speaking to the dead, which I, I'm not sure about. Um, but I will tell you that their job is going to be to make you feel good about whatever it is that happens. And so uh, I'm not surprised that she would tell you something like this about, um, about your husband and your son. But here's why what th she said didn't, doesn't jive with me is because uh, maybe you know 1 Corinthians 13. It's one of the most famous passages in the Bible. You know, it talks about, you know, love is patient, love is kind, etc. Uh -huh. and, and it goes on and says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And it says that everything else will pass away, but love will last forever. Now, that's not just sentimentality. The reason that love lasts forever is for one reason, that when we are in the life to come, in eternity, we will not need faith, uh, nor will we need hope. Because, see, faith and hope are things that we need in this life. Because we're, we have faith in something which we cannot see. And that faith is in, particularly, not just in a God who we can't see, but it's directed towards a hope that we don't yet have. And one of the things the Bible tells us is that we have this one life and when this life is over, our eternal destiny is, is sealed. And there's, uh, there's not anything that we can uh, hope in it changing, right? So that we don't uh, believe that your status can change in eternity. We don't, you know, that's why there's so much urgency to the gospel. One of the passages like this is found in Luke 16, if you're interested in checking that out, where it talks about yeah. a man who uh, finds himself you know, he's passed away and it talks about his destiny and it says that there's a great chasm which cannot be crossed. And he asks that he would be able to go back and speak to those who are still alive. And the answer he's told is that he cannot uh, do that and that those people should turn instead to the scriptures, to Moses and the prophets is what, the, what Abraham tells this person. And so uh, to me... I would be very skeptical about what this medium said to you. Um, right. you know, on, and I say that, you know, I say that wanting to be like, you know, on the one hand, I don't want to just be Debbie Downer who comes and says, you know, no, you know, ignore this thing, even though what this medium told you was encouraging and hopeful to you. But I, I would say this, um, I think the best thing we can do is deal with reality rather than um, somebody coming along and telling us something we want to hear that makes us feel good. And so I, yeah, I would and I think you. I wanted to hear that you know that he was you know he was in heaven or you know that that you know he's he's in the right place because yeah. I always worried about the fact that 
you know, he did believe when he was younger, and then as he got older, you know, he didn't, and he 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 said it. You know, he said, "I don't believe," and I and I just said, "I don't know how you could not." You know, um, so my fear is, you know, damnation. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's something that we really can't know. Um, you know, we can know, you know, things that the Bible says, like that there's one name under heaven by which all, all people must be saved and that Jesus is a savior. Therefore, to reject a savior is to reject salvation. However, what I would tell you is this. I just read this book. Uh, I was reading it uh, a couple weeks ago. It was called The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. And in this book, she tells a story about her mom, who was a committed atheist for her entire life. And her mom, like literally one day before she died, because she realized she wasn't strong, because she realized that she's, she's dying and eternity's coming, that she ends up uh, coming to faith before her death. Um, and so the fact is that, you know, we don't know. I, I really, yeah. really hope. I think what happened, with him, it was it, it was a mistake in the hospital, and he was put in a coma. Okay. And he he was never, you know, we we were never able, you know, to we prayed over him, but we were never able to, you know, assist in letting him pass and and give his heart to the Lord. I have to let you go because we've come to the end of our show. But Debbie, okay. I, I'm really sorry about your son, and I, I really hope and pray that he's uh, in heaven with the Lord. But what I would tell you is this, uh, that the one thing that he would want, no matter where he is, is for you guys to turn to the Lord and cling to him. That's what uh, we love, yeah. know from Luke 16. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.